Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome to the Bitcoin Stoa for another episode of Innovators, which is a long-form show where we invite founders and creators working within Bitcoin to tell their stories and share the vision for their projects. Current Moscow time is 15.38 at 7.09.253. And as a reminder, the Bitcoin Stoa is a community-funded platform. So if you enjoy listening, you can support the project by sending some sats to the QR code on our homepage at bitcoinstoa.com. Or you can stream sats using something like the Breeze app, which has a really badass podcast feature. With that said, today I'm honored to welcome Hodlanot from Citadel 21, who has kindly offered his time to be here. Hodlanot, welcome to the Stoa. Thanks a lot, man. Happy to be here. Nice to meet you. Amazing. Yeah, so this is a podcast for Bitcoiners. I mean, we're kind of at the grassroots start of this journey. But our goal, our target audience is Bitcoiners, either Bitcoiners in the making who are becoming Bitcoiners or seasoned ones. So I think a lot of them are going to dig the really uh, unique space that you've created in cyberspace. And, you know, for those who aren't familiar with Citadel 21 yet, I'm excited for you to kind of tell us a bit about why, what it is, why you created it. But before we get into the project, I'd love to start with hearing uh, your your Bitcoin story. So, you know, how Bitcoin found you initially and maybe some of the significant moments along your journey that led you to the creation of Citadel 21 and sort of where we are today? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I discovered Bitcoin uh, in 2013. Uh, random browsing uh, the internet uh, on the couch one evening. Uh, nice. So, saw it mentioned in, uh, I don't remember which publication, some uh, tech article. And uh, that sent me, uh, sent me on to, to the white paper. And I actually read the white paper that first evening. And uh, obviously, I didn't uh, then uh, grasp the enormity of, the, of this uh, innovation. But uh, it was enough uh, to like uh, kickstart uh, the rabbit hole for me immediately. So, you know, I, I, pretty quickly, I, I realized that uh, this was basically digital scarcity. Uh, something, I, mean, I was... a a child of the the torrent era and uh like a huge huge pirate of software and movies uh so i was very used to, to to the concept of like data being something that could easily be be copied and multiplied i was also uh very aware of uh, the money system already and uh like the inflation trap so just realizing that here we have an asset that will never exceed 21 million uh, units uh, that that piqued my interest a lot immediately and uh, I started accumulating basically uh, I wanted uh, I, I just thought that if I if I if I just have a couple of these uh, I will have more than every, at, like the average person on the planet can have at any time we are a lot of people. There's only 21 million Bitcoin, so that was that was the entry for me. But uh, I've never, I never like strayed away from Bitcoin after that. I I hear a lot of people discovering it and lose interest and then coming back and that stuff. That never happened to me. My, you know, I just um, my interest just intensified, and uh, I've been on that that journey since 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 back then in 2013. Amazing. And where, where, where did your, uh, you know, you mentioned that you kind of knew uh, or were aware of money and sort of the fiat inflation trap. Um, where did that come from? And, you know, based on um, 
your accent. I assume you're from a Norwegian um, country, like maybe Finland or Norway. I was guessing, if you want to say. Yeah, I'm from uh, I'm from Norway. That's correct. Uh, we have uh, we we have the most broken English accent in the world, I think. So it's easy Dude, to I love spot, it. spot us. <laughs> it's a great accent. It's fully understandable, and it's got like a really unique uh, like tinge to it. I love it. I, yes. I work in a health network, and we have a lot of people from Scandinavia, and so it's not a, an unfamiliar accent uh, for me. But what I was going to say is like, where did the awareness of money come from? Is that something that's in the Norwegian um, school system? Did they talk about money? Where did the interest come from um, for you to be aware of it? Because I think for most people, that's that's rare to hear. Yeah, not, no, not at all in the school system. We are uh, we are taught the same bullshit as the rest of the world in the school system, basically. Um, so uh, I guess for me, it uh, I kind of started to doubt a lot of the narratives in the world, uh, for like in, in the aftermath of 9-11, that was, that was like a thing for me, started reading up. Uh, I was exposed to a gentleman named Michael Rupert, uh, unfortunately deceased now, but he wrote a lot about both like the, the banking system and uh, he was especially uh, interested in like uh, peak oil and uh, yeah, the dollar hegemony and stuff like that. So. I was I was red pilled on on how money was created and obviously I thought that was ridiculous. Uh, I mean, uh, inflation is uh, something I actually even as a child I was annoyed. I didn't really understand inflation, of course. I was just annoyed that to see that the money I saved, I noticed that over time it it things started costing more and more. Uh, like. Uh, ice cream i used to buy and stuff like that and i i thought that was just stupid here i'm saving these coins and they're getting worthless every year that's that's ridiculous to me so just just to have have like a finite uh, uh mass of an asset that can never be uh, debased was uh, extremely attractive to me immediately amazing yeah and i think probably coming from the monetary side um into Bitcoin probably contributed to your conviction. Cause I kind of, you know, I think most people stray at some point, like you said, either they lose interest or they don't, that first touch point isn't powerful enough to really captivate them or they get yeah. distracted by, you know, the shitstorm of bullshit that works around Bitcoin to try and pick up the people who aren't fully committed or, or wanting to understand it yet. And yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe a good place to go next is like, what is from your perspective, um, what is Citadel 21 and why did you create it? Because it is like, dude, I dove into that, right? Your, your space, citadel21.com is its own rabbit hole. And I dove into that and it was like filled with some <laughs> of the most OG, weird, wonderful, fantastic content uh, from Bitcoiners. And I love so many things about the space you've created, but maybe from your, you know, in your words, um, what is Citadel 21 and why did you create it? Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that, and I'm really happy to hear you like it. Uh, means a lot that uh, Bitcoiners like yourself appreciate what we do. Cool. Um, I don't know. I've been I've been on embedded into the Bitcoin community for uh, for quite a few years now. Uh, I started out uh, interacting on uh, Bitcoin forum. I was on Reddit a lot before I uh, entered the realm of Bitcoin Twitter. In uh, I guess I went ball steep there early 2017, and I've always uh, had 
a huge appreciation and fascination for what's coming out of Bitcoiners. Uh, the art is amazing. The memes are amazing. The philosophy is amazing. Uh, they are uh, overall extremely principled people, independent thinkers. So, I mean, this this mesh of people who obviously are uh, very different, uh, but this uh, the totality of it creates a culture that I just thought was awesome. Uh, and uh, so the thought of Citadel Twenty One was uh, me and uh, me and my fiance uh, Katya. We uh, we started. Uh, I think it was one evening we talked about uh, scenes. Uh, it's basically short for magazines. And uh, a scene, uh, at least here in Norway, was uh, like a very grassroots kind of underground thing, just uh, photocopied uh, paper written by people who were part of some kind of uh, community or, or, or uh, yeah, scene. Uh, like it could be football, it could be music, it could be computers. And I was exposed to both football scenes and uh, like I was into the Amiga community back in the day and they had their own uh, digital scenes. And I always liked, you know, it usually had its very own flavor. It was very raw and edited. You kind of got a feeling for an unfiltered feeling of what this community was all about. So we started thinking that this was something that didn't really exist in Bitcoin. You had How like, long ago was this when you when you and uh, your fiance first started this? This was uh, this was uh, basically January twenty twenty. Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, we we thought. I mean, this space has has so much cool cool shit going on, and it's just you know being presented on Twitter or some some thread on Reddit, and then it then it's gone, and it's not it 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 often doesn't get as many eyes or as much presentation or attention as it deserves uh, and uh, I'm not a huge fan of uh, I mean I think the moment content goes through the filter of a, an editorial filter of any entity that's that needs to tow a specific correctness or a specific political line or they, they can't be toxic or they, they can't be this or they can't be that you lose a lot of realness and a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of the thing that that really defines a culture. Yeah, so, you lose all the character. It gets yeah, diluted yeah. to the point of not even being um, yeah. relatable. I find, and I think the rawness is actually something that people are like the authenticity and the raw, the unapolog unapologetic rawness of things yeah. is actually one of the biggest attractors for me to, um, you know point my energy at something these days quite frankly if the minute yeah. i get the sense that it's been polished or yeah, edited yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. it just takes everything out of it so yeah, I, I really I respect fo that follow you completely on that that's like uh, a huge uh, guiding guiding thing for us and for me personally in my life uh, other in other ways than citadel 21 as well like intuition yeah. and authenticity needs to it needs to match yeah uh, so uh, yeah actually my like in, in volume one, our first release, uh, I've only written one article in Citadel 21, and that was the welcome article. And uh, I, I touched on the toxicity of, uh, of Bitcoiners there. And I think to me, the word toxic uh, Bitcoin maximalist, that's just another word of being 
unfiltered, raw, authentic, and willing to compromise just to be not hurt people's feelings. Uh, just, I mean, basically the opposite of everything that's wrong with the clown world today, in my opinion. <laughs> so. Yeah, and it's funny that they get. I mean, people who use the label toxic is like, if you're soft, sometimes you need a little cure. Maybe that toxicity is what hardens you to stop being so fucking soft. And I think it's, you know, it's one of these things where I want to I want to talk about this whole notion of toxic maximalism a little bit later. But one thing I wanted to, um, I guess, ask about is like, you know, I love that you pres- I love the database nature of how you present things. Right? There's volumes. Each volume has sort of like a time chunk, uh, has its own art, and I, I really think that like you said, you have all this amazing, this amazing wisdom and this beautiful creativity. Um, and I think like a really potent tweet or a really good meme is just like a new form of art that I think there's this deep sense of beauty where you, you almost get to understand where someone's coming from through their art. And I think that the curation of this diversity of art that you see on t- Bitcoin Twitter is an art in and of itself. And is actually one of the really important ones because you're essentially um, doing the work of collecting all the amazing shit that is out there, but undiscovered largely and putting it in one place in a digestible way so that people can navigate it. And I think it's so cool. And one thing I love is that all these volumes are laid out digitally, but you also do physical copies. And this is something where I've always been a collector of things. I've always liked, you know, whether it was like Pokemon cards when I was younger, or I live in Canada, we have these hockey cards that, you know, I would collect from like McDonald's when they gave them out. So I think the collector in me loved the idea of Bitcoin, knowing that this is scarce. Um, this is going to be something people will want. And so that's kind of what made me start to collect that. But this whole notion that you print uh, limited runs of a thousand copies for each volume, why print in the world of digital? Why print physical magazines? I want to hear your perspective. I love the idea. And I, I just recently, like literally I went from never hearing about Citadel 21 to hearing about it two weeks ago buying some zines to have in my house as inspiration, because I really think that they're like printed art. Um, and you know, why print physical copies in a digital world? What, what, what was the incentive to do that? Yeah. Uh, once again, really cool to hear it. Like you recently discovered us and you love it. And, uh, because we haven't been, you know, this is, this is grassroots shit. We're not, mm-hmm. uh, we're not like, uh, doing any big PR pushes or, or like, promotions or it, it, we are just out there and plebs discover us at their own pace and uh, when we sell out we're sold out so uh, on the, the the motivation for making it physical was uh, first of all uh, a lot of people requested it from us like they really wanted they really loved the art and they thought like fuck we want the, we want this physically to to collect and cherish yeah it's like uh, an artifact a physical artifact yeah, and I started really liking the thought, you know, to to manifest this into meat space, uh, just take it out of the internet and, and making something physical to hold in my hands as like making it even more real. Uh, I mean, we, we put in a lot of work on this and uh, I'm, I'm just really happy we did it. And uh, it's, it's not been uh, it's not a lucrative business uh, money wise. It's a uh, it's a huge pain in the ass to to ship uh, globally <laughs> these paper copies in, <laughs> yes. in, at, in this time, like they get, uh, they disappear, they get fucked up in transit. Uh, yep. I mean, uh, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of time to produce and to support, uh, follow up uh, the, whole, the whole thing. So, uh, but we're going to keep doing it uh, as long as we manage to break even. Uh, and uh, 
the more people discover us, the more even we break and the more maybe we can even get some profit out of this because so far only volume one has sold out. Uh, as you mentioned, they are limited to a thousand copies each. Yeah, I love each, that. Each copy is uh, hand numbered. So, uh, so uh, I mean, there is that organic touch to it as well. So yeah, I guess, I guess the main motivations was people requested it. Uh, we initially thought... Uh, that sounds like a lot of work and uh, with little little upside, but uh, I'm I'm glad we did it, and uh, I think it's uh, it's really cool to have these magazines lying on the table here at home. Yeah, dude, I agree, and I'm gonna I might gift some of them to people who I'm looking to orange pill, but on the condition that like I'm taking this shit back in a year if you don't use it <laughs> and take good care of this. Exactly. Um, and it, I mean, if it's any consolation, I'm a, like a ruthless stacker. There's nothing. It would be very hard apart from giving like maybe five bucks in Bitcoin to someone for anything to warrant me giving up my Bitcoin. Um, So buying the zines on your store was actually the first time I've ever paid for anything in Bitcoin. So I don't know what that tells you, but clearly you're doing something right because to to take Bitcoin from my cold hands means that (laughs) something is of a lot of value and significance. And I think the notion that people are, it's not just, I didn't buy the zine. I bought I bought the reason why you're doing this and the ethos that I kind of absorbed from looking through your content and why you're doing it. And um, yeah, and I really, I'm excited to see them and have them here and be able to look at them for inspiration, right? Like art, my, my role now is really just to be inspired by the art of others and use that to kind of fuel what we're doing at the STOA. Um, and uh, yeah, dude, I think it's really cool. I love that you're motivated enough to do the like I the the health network that I was an executive for also has a retail business. Um, so I understand the struggle of, of navigating logistics on a global level with all the bullshit that, you know, this whole notion that if something gets lost, whose fault is it? It kind of rests on you, even if it costs you money. And if it's not even a very profitable business, that's tough. And so, uh, much love for the motivation to continue doing that. Whoever you and your team are, you're doing an amazing job. And, uh, yeah, I really like the physical form. I think that's a big, it's a big thing to anchor things for me where I can look at a piece of art. I can look at this zine without having to look at my computer because along with the computer comes the trap of all the, all the things that the computer also yeah. um, distracts you with. So I think that's really important. Yeah, there really is something to pulling, pulling things out of, uh, out of the screen and into, the, into your hands. Yeah. And uh, just a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I have to give a huge shout out to Martin Fisher. Uh, at cypherpunk now uh, he designed the, the cover of volume two and he has also been our designer of the physical scenes uh, for the 10 first volumes and uh, yeah in my opinion he's uh, one of the best if not the best uh, bitcoin artist uh, out there uh, i'm uh, lucky enough to uh, own a, quite a few pieces of his art uh, and they they have like uh, very prominent uh, spots on my wall here at home uh, and the other thing is, you said you you paid with sets and you haven't done that uh, with a lot of other stuff, uh, if anything. And uh, first of all, that's really cool to hear. And second of all, I have to mention that we we only accept Bitcoin. Uh, yes. We we do not accept uh, fiat, and uh, we also pay all of our suppliers, like our design designers, uh, the printing, the the shipping. The hosting, everything is paid with Bitcoin as well. So we actually run a circular Bitcoin economy, hundred percent powerful with Citadel Twenty One. So, so this is 
it's by design that we don't accept anything but Bitcoin. And we had a lot of requests from people to please take my shitty fiat. Uh, <laughs> and I know we would sell quite a lot more scenes if we started accepting fiat, but we choose, we choose not to because we really want to keep this thing uh, pure. And uh, that's like one of the ways we're, we're doing that. I love it. I love it. I'm, uh, I'm a big fan. And I'm sure, you know, not everyone, a true Bitcoiner, I think when they see a fellow Bitcoiner doing something and building, like you said, that circular sats economy, I think will respect that and be willing to part with some sats for maybe it depends on the period of time you're in and how many sats you've accumulated, but I think it's awesome. Uh, I want to talk about Bitcoin culture because this is one of the things that I'm or description of Bitcoin culture, because it is this wide, diverse group of humans across the planet. And, you know, it is a community. And I think within every community, my biggest role in my previous uh, role at the health network was to understand was community design. Like how do we create sustainable communities that don't require constant input of energy to kind of uh, form themselves in the, in alignment with our values that we held. And I think Bitcoin culture is this ephemeral thing that's being slowly built because we're so early, it's going to continue being built. And it's almost like each OG Bitcoiner takes it on themselves to play a part of making sure Bitcoin culture goes in the right direction. And I want to hear from you, what is Bitcoin culture to you? But I want to first start by um, talking about, I want, to, I want to just read this paragraph that you have listed on your website on the about page at Citadel 21, because I think it's brilliant. And I think it encapsulates so many awesome things. Bitcoin culture is rich and varied. It contains a multitude of voices, opinions, and flavors. Together, they form what is seemingly chaos, but with an abundance of signal. Citadel 21 aims to curate this chaos and to put some of the best, coolest, and weirdest pieces of raw signal on display. And that is a fucking mic drop paragraph because I think it encapsulates perfectly what you're doing at Citadel 21. Um, but maybe from your own personal perspective, like what is Bit if someone says, what is Bitcoin culture? What do, you, what do you say to answer that, as long or as short as you want? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. And it's, uh, it's, I haven't formulated an answer to it uh, before. I haven't heard, gotten the question like that before. So I'll try to just uh, have a flow of consciousness on what, I, what it, what it uh, brings to me. And I, I think part of it is, uh, is uh, uned, like the unedited uh, raw part that uh, you need to go you need to go to the source you need to you need to like get underneath the like the the influencers and the the agendas and uh, the word pleb comes to mind when i talk about bitcoin culture uh uh bitcoin plebs to me uh, represent like people who have no other agenda than speaking their mind uh, completely freely and honestly and uh a consequence of that is that you you really want to defend Bitcoin. You really want to defend the the monumental uh, power that Bitcoin brings to the table for change, for hope, for for everything the world is missing right now. And uh, so, uh, I, I think Bitcoin culture is like all the interests that these honest uh, <laughs> that these people that have discovered the, the power of truth and honesty bring to the table. And that means it can be, you know, it can be uh, like untapped growth, like uh, uh, living off the land, uh, uh, discovering uh, 
low time preference and living out low time preference uh, in, in in your life it can be i mean the meme lords is a, is a is a big aspect of bitcoin culture it's it's just super varied it's it's uh, it's all the enthusiasm the honest enthusiasm that all these different people bring to the table and it kind of distills into a very a very powerful signal to me that i can easily recognize uh but it it can be a, a lot of different things and i think the content we have in citadel 21 reflects that because you can read about everything from people like uh, drawing parallels between brazilian jiu-jitsu and bitcoin and uh and you know permaculture and uh their practice as a as a physician or like just how people apply the lessons of bitcoin into their field of interest or their or their life uh, yeah very well said yeah i think like bitcoin culture to me is almost like a rubik's cube it has so many different faces that are constantly morphing and changing um but one thing i really think is cool is that bitcoin culture is almost adopted some of the hard-coded elements of the protocol right like this um openness and this uh the sense of responsibility, I think, is a big one. And the reason, Bit like the OG Bitcoiners that I that I love to listen to, the reason I actually like to listen to them is because they're coming from a heavily informed perspective. Um, because in order to be a true Bitcoiner, I think you, it's baked into the protocol that you must take responsibility. You must understand. You know, you start by understanding money, but then it kind of leads you down this path where it's like inevitably you under you you begin to want to understand economics and macroeconomics and philosophy and. Um, you know, like you want to understand fundamental truths about the world. Um, and the cool thing about Bitcoin is that as our purchasing power goes up as Bitcoiners, we end up having this freed up time so that we can actually learn about the world, learn about governance, learn about all these different elements that are in Bitcoin, but are so subsurface that you really have to kind of dive deep down the rabbit hole to get to them. And uh, I think this, this sort of unapologetic and well, I guess it's just an intolerance to bullshit, actually, which I find the most candid and attractive yeah. thing about Bitcoin culture is that there is zero tolerance for bullshit. Yeah. And some people's feelings get hurt when someone says that's bullshit, that's wrong, here's the truth. But you know what? That is actually what this fucking world needs, really. It's like, it's like this beautiful um, element that has seemingly been lost because of a sort of the soft culture of softness. Uh, that develops where no one wants to hurt anyone's feelings. So no one actually speaks their truth. And I think the full open honesty, unfiltered honesty that comes from the the signal that comes out of Bitcoin culture is just, uh, it's it's very refreshing, I, I think is maybe the best way for me to put it. 100%. And uh, it, it, it's, uh, you will be called out and anyone will be called out in Bitcoin if they start right. uh, spewing out bullshit. It doesn't matter who you are. There are no king, no kings here. We're all plebs, and uh, I want nothing. I want nothing else than people to judge me by my words and my actions, and uh, I want them to slay me really hard if I start uh, if bullshit starts coming out of me. I, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I and I absolutely expect them to. And uh, so uh, yeah, it's it's just uh, low time preference, uh, uh, keeping it real, uh, and the. Uh, enjoying all the beauty and the re rewards that come out of that because it's really i really appreciate everything i i've gotten from being in this space uh, most of all like the connections there the the web of uh, 
the web of people I've gotten to know. Uh, uh, I love the the term mesh tadel. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Uh, mesh tadel. Yeah, it's uh, it. it's uh, an amazing pleb called uh, Soul Exporter and his uh, son uh, Soulex Boy. They were actually wrote an article in Citadel Twenty One about uh, about their mesh tadel concept, and it's basically just you know. Uh, you have the word citadel and you, you have a mesh uh, and all these relationships and connections we form, uh, they basically form a, a global mesh tadel of, uh, of Bitcoiners that are connected in different ways and that can start relying and supporting each other in different ways. And I think yeah, we're just going to see more and more of that, uh, even seeing it more and more organized. And uh, I think that will be a, a powerful tool and uh, a powerful uh, asset for all all Bitcoiners in the years ahead. Yeah, that's a really cool concept. I read an article by Tomer Strollite that talked about basically the uh, metaphor of Bitcoin being a cybernetic metabrain and mm -hmm. compared the anatomy of Bitcoin um, to the anatomy of a brain and like all the way down to neurons and dendrites and how things propagate uh, neurally through our brains and how things propagate uh, essentially at the, at the neural level through a Bitcoin Twitter. And I just thought like Bitcoin has so, and I even, you know, I spoke to a guy that, um, keeps bees uh, a couple of weeks ago, and there were so many parallels that I kind of want to talk about in terms of the hive behavior of bees, mm -hmm. um, and the hive behavior of Bitcoin. And, um, but before we get into that, I want to talk about, I just want to touch on the whole nature of being a truly Bitcoin online store, because, you know, I paid in Bitcoin. The checkout experience was super smooth. And one thing I really loved was the privacy measures you've taken to protect customer information, which I think is something that doesn't get talked about, but I found really, um, like really potent. And this whole idea that after 120 days, all of your customer information gets deleted so that, um, you know, to make sure that nothing gets held and, and nothing, there's no vulnerability there in terms of your information getting out. So, um, you know, how was the experience of setting up a Bitcoin store. I'm assuming you use sort of BTC pay server and built that in. Like, was it, um, was it an intuitive process? What were your biggest challenges? Cause right now, one thing we're doing at the store is we're going to create some, um, Bitcoin gear and it's not going to be branded at a, as anything. It's just literally going to have subtle Bitcoin logos on it. We're calling it, um, Bitcoin library, uh, that, that old term library as in like basically we want to create the OG uniform for Bitcoiners and be fully transparent to the point where we just literally say what our costs are. When we create a batch, we're going to price it in sats based on our fiat cost and a, a fixed margin. Uh, and, you know, have it be very transparent that over time, your cost in fiat is going to go up, but the cost in sats for this clothing is going to go down. It's just like durable, high quality, simple clothing. Um, and so we're, we're starting to kind of research the process of creating a Bitcoin store and creating our own Bitcoin uh, circular economy. So how was the experience for you? Because the checkout experience at your store was magical. And I have experience with store checkouts because like I said, we have a retail presence with Shopify um, with the health network that I still kind of am involved with. Um, yeah, talk a little bit about the setup process there because it was truly a very, like just the, the whole algorithm of like checkout, communication, um, experience of like getting confirmation for my order, getting confirmation of shipping. Like it was just a really seamless experience. So uh, can you talk a bit about how, how easy it was to set up and sort of uh, maybe even sort of what apps you're using so that anyone out there looking to create a Bitcoin store can kind of get, take a little bit of your research. 
Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's probably gotten easier now than it was uh, back then. Things move fast in Bitcoin. Uh, I would say it was uh, probably a very difficult process to, to, to get it set up like we did. Uh, if, I mean, BTC Pay Server is an, just an amazing product. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's really amazing. And if we're going to sell from something that only requires your customer's email, basically, if you're going to sell a digital product, for example, it's very easy to set up. The moment you need to integrate into, uh, like you want to collect more information, if you want to send something in the physical world, BTC Pay uh, only doesn't support collection of that data. Uh, so you need uh, to include the third-party software. Our solution is uh, like a hybrid using... Uh, WordPress and WooCommerce uh, with BTC Pay as the payment processor. Nice. Uh, it's kind of streamlined from the BTC Pay side. Uh, uh, there are tutorials out there to do this specific setup. Uh, BTC Pay has a very uh, cool Docker uh, install that automates a lot. But in reality, uh, there will be need for small tweaks and customizations before shit starts working. Uh, that's just how, how real life works. Uh, yep. So so I guess the reason we were able to get this up uh, in in a timely manner was because we got hands-on support from the BTC Pay team uh, to set it up. Uh, they have a, a very good support. Uh, so I encourage anyone to, to just jump into it and start setting it up if they if they want to have their own uh, BTC Pay powered store, uh, it's definitely uh, something you will get done if you just invest enough effort and time, but it, it's still not easy, I would say. Uh, and another right. thing in, nothing in worth doing is easy, right? Just requires yeah, persistence. Absolutely. You just need to, you just need to decide that you're going to do it and keep uh, grinding until it's a uh, reality. Uh, but uh, another, you, you said you like the checkout process. And I think just, just a small thing that I, I think is really cool is that you can skin, you can skin the checkout. So you can like use the colors of your website or your uh, graphic profile in the actual invoice presentation, like the QR, the QR uh, screen. Uh, and we had the art designed by SF, uh, really great Bitcoiner and friend of us, uh, skin skin that for us so we're like using our our brand colors uh in the in the checkout which also like makes it very like uh it all it all fits together in the in the checkout process yeah um, great experience i could say firsthand as a recent uh customer suited l21 if you're going to buy something number one it may be one of the few things that are worth letting go of your sats and number two um yeah was just a great experience overall um and so, yeah, kudos on you and your team for, for getting that done and sort of setting the example and showing people that it is possible to create a really seamless, intuitive uh, Bitcoin checkout process, despite there being some challenges, obviously, in the setup. But yeah. uh, like you said, if you just decide you're going to do it um, and your, your, you know, your conviction is high that it can be done and seeing it done first, you know, like I probably would have been more set back by the friction if I hadn't checked out at your store. Uh, mm -hmm. once now that we're trying to set up our own thing. So thank you for um, sort of blazing the trail there and showing that it's possible and it can be really simple and intuitive. 
Um, yeah, I, I have to throw in as well, like to you or anyone considering doing anything in Bitcoin that kind of, well, maybe it seems like a big hurdle or it's kind of scary because it's new territory technically. Just just start start doing it and uh, and ask for help because Bitcoiners really are the most friendly and helpful people. And yeah, uh, yeah you, you will you will get a lot of uh, a lot of support and a lot of help if you if you're trying to do things and and reach out for for support here. Powerful. Let's talk about the notion of toxic maximalism just real quick. Um, and just as kind of a, another point that's sort of related to that, like I said, I was doing a podcast with a, uh, a guy who keeps bee colonies. Um, and I found so many parallels, you know, like one of the biggest things that I really loved is that when you look at a bee colony or a beehive and you don't really understand what's going on, it looks like complete chaos, right? Bees are flying everywhere. It literally just like, a, looks like a swarm of chaos. But when you actually start to understand the mechanics of how a colony works, their social structure, like what the bees are actually doing, what the different bees roles are, it turns into like this beautifully, um, coordinated orchestra where you're like, actually, when, when I understand how it works, uh, it's super organized and there's, it's super coherent in terms of like, um, having the, you know, you, you start to see where the bees come in and where they leave are different runways. You start to see the different, uh, roles that bees play. And when you go near, like certain bees will actually start to point their butts up at you and actually like, kind of say like, Hey, be careful. Like you're getting close here. And I think there's so many parallels to this hive mind mentality where every single bee in the colony has an allegiance to the queen. They will do everything they can, even if it comes at the expense of their own death to protect the queen. And I, the parallel I saw was that the queen is like the protocol and plebs or Bitcoiners are like the bees. And we have different roles, right? Like miners forage for energy to continue keeping the queen alive. Um, there will be others that go out and explore and sort of um, communicate with other queens to kind of build relationships. And so there's all these different roles, but at the end of the day, everyone protects the queen. And this whole notion that all of the bees that have an allegiance to the queen um, are basically getting labeled as toxic maximalists by people who are seeking to attack the hive, right? By people who are seeking to pull people away from the hive and distract them with shit coins or people who are trying to um, do a narrative attack on the queen by saying, oh, Bitcoin takes up too much energy and stuff like that. So I think I'd love to hear your take on this whole notion of toxic maximalism because I think that it's literally just a... Uh, an unwillingness to accept bullshit, I think is what it is. And only people who, you know, it's toxic to the people who are trying to attack the protocol. It's not toxic to anyone else. It's actually a beautifully built in immune system for Bitcoin. So I'd love to hear your take on sort of this label of toxic maximalism and your thoughts on, I mean, you've already kind of said like the unapologetic authenticity is actually a beautiful part of Bitcoin. And I completely agree, but to someone who's like, Oh, you know, I see all this toxicity on, on social media. What would you say to those people? Yeah. Um, I can touch on a couple of thoughts there. Like one thing is uh, there is no, there is no, uh, there is no pleb uh, that's, that's the same as, as another pleb and talks in my head, like toxicity manifests in, in a lot of ways you have a uh, gentle, like more or less gentle ways. Uh, you also have, uh, sometimes I see uh, people on Twitter that, I don't know, overdo it a little bit. You know, you will always have that, that they realize that, oh, this is like cool club of Bitcoiners or so, th or, and th they start misunderstanding and just, you know, get dark and, uh, and basically hostile and nasty for no reason. I, I don't, uh, I don't really approve of that myself, but 
we're all different. We're, I mean, you have you have the whole spectrum of uh, different uh, manifestations of this, uh, and I think that that's great. I mean, there, there is no manual you can read to to find out how you you're going to be the perfect toxic Bitcoin maximalist. It's just it's just a, a spectrum of results from a large group of people that find enormous meaning in the protocol of Bitcoin and. Uh, uh, this this queen, as you say it, uh, if that if that's the protocol, this queen supplies us with the uncontestable truth every ten minutes, uh, and that's just something that transforms lives uh, and gives hope and uh, motivates, and uh, uh, it provides uh, a very solid foundation that we can build not only our financial lives on, but like our spiritual lives and our it, it, it's so meaningful and uh, it motivates us to, to defend the hive at all costs in all kinds of different ways. You know, like you say, these bees have different uh, roles and different jobs and uh, Bitcoiners have different strengths and different weaknesses, but they will apply them in their own best way to further the cause, to protect the protocol, to, to make sure that... Uh, People who try to muddy the waters or or scam people away from transforming their lives positively, uh, we basically attack those people and, and we call them out and uh, we have no patience with them at all. Uh, and that's how it should be uh, in my in my mind. Yeah, I agree. And you know, bees use pheromones uh, to signal danger and to tag in- intruders. And I think. Yeah. Twitter is like this beautiful space where you see the pheromones through the messages and through what people are saying. And, you know, you see people almost when you get attacked by the hive, you have two choices. Listen to the signal and learn the lesson. Don't attack the hive, realign kind of your understanding to make sure it aligns with reality. Or -hmm. number two is like, just think that the hive is out of control and then talk shit about the hive. And the people, you know, I've seen a lot of people who get attacked and use it as a reality check, learn the lesson. Like when I got stung by a bee, my message is I got too close to the hive or I was doing something that threatened them. Um, and, you know, they get a decision tree where it's like either you, you realign and you understand the lesson and you learn from the lesson or you just um, kind of like move away from it and don't learn the lesson. And then you're probably going to get stung again. So I think it's like, a, and the, the, I think the overarching thing that I loved about trying to look for parallels between this sort of bee colony behavior and Bitcoin is this notion of collective intelligence where any bee alone is actually not that intelligent and doesn't really have much intelligence built in. But when you have the hive together, you essentially out of that emerges this intelligence that cannot be achieved individually, but gets achieved collectively. And I think the whole thing with Bitcoin uh, really that, that collective intelligence emerges as well. And I think that's largely a byproduct of this beautiful game theory that's built in and sort of constantly evolving where everyone is both acting out of selfish intentions, but the selfish intentions align perfectly with the collective benefit. And I think that's this beautiful elegance that you see in nature um, and that you also see in Bitcoin. And I think it just reinforces the notion that like Bitcoin aligns, uh, aligns with the laws of nature, right? It's decentralized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a, it has a core value set that is um, essentially based in laws of nature, laws of physics and math. And I think it's, it's the, it's this fucking amazing thing, dude. It's it, it, even just talking about, it, it makes me so excited to be like, what else can I learn about this? What's the <laughs> yeah. next learning 
you know, piece that I want to get. And it's, it's, it's really borders on obsession, but it's, it, I think it really, like you said, stems from this conviction that this literally changes people's lives and will change humanity will morph humanity to align with truth yeah. um, out of selfish yeah. desires. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And it's not, it's not blind conviction. It's con it's conviction uh, uh, sprung from uh, experience because it changes you uh, in so many ways. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, the really cool uh, analogy with the pheromones uh, because it's almost like, I think trust is, is a, is a big thing. Uh, uh, paradoxically in Bitcoin and the web of trust and how this this trust is building trust is a very low time preference uh, uh, process tearing down uh, trust is extremely you can do it in one tweet you yep. can do it in in, in one uh, uh, malicious action or and, and it will be seen through immediately by by the hive because uh, this web of trust is so well built out and sophisticated and fine-tuned and it's fueled by an entire hive that has no other agenda than truth and truth so you will be called out mercilessly and and the whole uh like your uh position of trust will just be removed from the from the web immediately and uh and this is because you say we are i mean also fueled by self-interest but truth is our self-interest in bitcoin right. uh, and that that makes this uh, this web uh, just uh, stronger and stronger every day and uh, uh, immune to to being co-opted basically I'm, I'm i mean people try to you know sneak their way into the into the this web of trust uh, to, to you know try to have an agenda or uh, change the conversation in some malicious way or like they they're always caught pretty immediately and just you know sent packing so yeah. it's it's beautiful to watch to see not only consequence but you know instant karma happening the moment you start bullshitting yeah and one thing that uh dan the guy who keeps bees was talking about was like the more you observe the hive the more you understand the mechanics of the hive and the more you can um, begin to see when, uh, like see when the bees see a threat, right? The more you spend time around this Bitcoin hive, the easier it becomes to detect bullshit. And you're right. Building trust is a low time preference thing, right? You have to be patient. You have to um, basically have a track record of being on the right side of the hive, right? And as your trust builds, if you put up a red flag and say, Hey, this person's bullshitting, there's something up here. The higher your perceived trust is the more that signal gets taken seriously. And I think yeah. there's like some really cool people I'm starting to discover in Bitcoin, like, um, you know, JW Weatherman and heavily armed clown, these guys that really aren't like crazy popular. They're not like the famous people of Bitcoin Twitter, but they're super smart and they're super honest and they're super aligned with sort of the nature of this thing um and so i take what they say very seriously and i think it's it's really just coming to the point that i'm i'm seeing the signal much easier now in bitcoin and i'm starting to be able to be be much better at identifying the noise by just spending time around the hive and uh i really think it's it, it's like a you know like i'm from canada i've done i've traveled a lot and like seen um 
been part of like ceremonies with elders and I've never really found that I, I have like a, you can call it what you want, like a spiritual place or a sense of belonging with a true community uh, other than kind of my family and co core friend network. But in Bitcoin, I found like this sense of family, the sense of belonging where it's like these people see reality for what it is. They're interested in taking responsibility. They're interested in learning and they care deeply about something hugely important for humanity. And it's almost like you find this family and all you want to do is then think, how can I contribute to this family? Like, how yeah. can I contribute to the diversity that's embraced within this family and be close to it so that I can make sure that my values uh, continue to align with these very, very like honorable values that this protocol has and that this community has at the core. And uh, yeah, it just makes you want to be more part of it more and more and learn more and more from it. And it's a, it's a, it's a never ending source of inspiration for me. And you know, people like yourself, um, creating platforms for Bitcoiners by Bitcoiners is like very, very inspiring. So thank you for doing what you do. Yeah, I feel you. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's so fucking cool to, I mean, just hearing you talk, just talking to you now, it, uh, I'm enjoying it. Feels like we could sit and talk for hours. We probably could. Uh, I mean, I feel, uh, I feel, uh, you know, brotherhood with you, and right. uh, and uh, yeah, you're basically my friend now after having talked for for 50 minutes, you know. Uh, so that's uh, that's a remarkable uh, thing about Bitcoin that uh, it it brings brings us together in a in a very powerful way uh, as as human beings, and it it uh, it it. It kind of sends us in in directions of personal development and uh, important uh, lessons of life. Uh, that's uh, very inspiring and uh, brings a lot of hope. Uh, I think. Yeah, and it almost like it rehumanizes us a little bit, right? Because the human side of us, when we interact with someone, even if it's digitally, like I can't mm -hmm. even see you, but I already feel like sort of like an energy between us, where it's like we can relate on a lot of things because we relate on this. I know yeah. that we by de facto relate on a lot of other things. And it's mm. funny how many Bitcoiners I talk to that also, you know, they take resp full responsibility for their wealth. They also mm. are interested in taking full responsibility for their health. They're also responsible um, or they're also interested in understanding how to be more self-reliant, how to protect themselves in terms of the privacy. Like there's so many things like this health network I'm part of is called the Foot Collective. And we basically our mission is to give, help people reclaim responsibility for their health. And we started at the feet. And it's funny how many people that I come across that, you know, gravitate towards this network because of sort of quote unquote barefoot culture, people who understand that if you don't wear shoes that fuck your feet up and you spend a little bit of time barefoot, like that's a good start. And it's funny how many of those people also care about growing their own food, also care about connecting with other humans in person and limiting the amount of time they have on, uh, on tech. And it's like, it's just funny how you find this one thing. If someone really cares about Bitcoin, you can almost make a lot of assumptions about other things that person cares about because that's built into the ethos of Bitcoin. And, uh, I think it's really, I'm looking forward to going to some in-person Bitcoin events. Cause I haven't, you know, with all the travel nonsense going on right now, which, um, I'm just kind of taking the mindset. I'm just going to ride it out and it'll end eventually, but I'm excited to meet other Bitcoiners in person because you're right. It is like people I've spoken to on the podcast, so the kind of people that I could go and get a beer with or smoke a joint with and talk to for like three hours and enjoy yeah. every second of it. And that's really hard to find uh, today for me personally. Yeah. 
the thing is probably that we're building uh, we're building on a solid foundation uh, with Bitcoin. We, we agree on the on the foundation basically, and anything that's built on a true and solid foundation will be meaningful. Uh, it won't just collapse, and uh, there won't be misunderstandings of uh, of intention or anything. We, it's, it's just super honest, uh, a super honest base we're building from. Well, I remember it. Um, Next time you talk to this uh, this B uh, buddy of yours, uh, you should ask him if he's interested in doing a write up of these thoughts for Citadel Twenty One. I think it sounds like uh, potential for a really cool article there. Well, it's funny you say that because I have two. So he is he is like a straight up noob. He's a very logical, rational guy, but he's extremely um, he lives an extremely simple life. And so I wanted to talk to him about bees to understand his perspective of what he sees in bees. He's a very deep guy when it comes to philosophy, very smart dude. Um, but from that, I wanted to gather my thoughts on the conversation I had with him. So I actually did a little write-up of the parallel between a beehive, all based on like this um, metaphor of collective intelligence. So I actually wrote something up to get my thoughts clear. So maybe I'll send that over. And I also have this like deeply rooted um, argument that Bitcoin fixes health. Like I spent the last five years of my lifeblood energy trying to fix the health problem. And the more I started learning about Bitcoin, because I actually helped to transfer our um, network treasury assets, which were in Canadian dollars over to Bitcoin, because I realized it was melting at an insane pace. And so the more I started connecting Bitcoin and health, the more I realized that like, actually Bitcoin fixes health and you can't fix health without sound money. And so, uh, yeah, anyway, I'll fire some stuff over to you. And if it's of interest or seems like something hundred percent, uh, yeah. really appreciate it. If you, if you send uh, something over, we'll definitely consider it. Cool. And I also think it's badass that you just accept submissions from everyone. Not that every Absolutely. submission is going to be put in there, but I think this whole notion of crowdsourcing, building a really strong, um, sort of platform that is OG Bitcoiner, I think is going to attract, that's the secret sauce of attracting the magic, right? Because people find out about you for the right reasons. They align with you for the right reasons and they want to help and they want to contribute. Um, and, uh, I think it's really cool that you just open source and say, anyone is welcome to submit something. And I think that's how you get the best shit really. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, that, that was part of the philosophy from the start. And I think, uh, I mean, I, I, I often reach out to people just after seeing a tweet or something. I'm like, uh, hey, uh, this is a really cool perspective. Uh, or maybe they wrote a Twitter thread. And I, I will often ask if they're interested in making making an article out of it. Uh, because Just because it was something fresh or, or cool. Uh, and they are often like, they often take this uh, perspective like, uh, but I'm not a writer. I never, I never did that before. And then I will just reply, yeah, that. That, that's just great. I mean, you don't need to, to have done contributed anything before, but I think this you're bringing something to the table here that uh, that I think will will benefit other people or be of interest to other people. So we have quite a few people in our volumes that have never written anything for anything before. That that's cool. I think. Yeah, I mean, people who write shit started at some point of not having written anything. So it's like, you know, if you have. Uh, if yeah. you send signal in someone, it's cool that you just say, Hey, you might not be a writer, but maybe we just, all we're looking for is signal, not perfectly written essays. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. and, and, and people tend to think that to write something, you need to do it in a specific way. You need to follow some kind of dogma or, sure. you know, you need to, to structure it in a specific way, but there is 
really for us there are there are no rules no rules like that i mean sometimes i will definitely copy edit a little bit to make things more readable or uh, you know uh, easier to digest but like how it's structured or how it's written is uh, we we want it as raw and as straight from the source as possible that's uh, basically it powerful love it all right let's finish with uh, some rapid fire questions i like to ask so these answers can be as long or as short as you want uh, and then we'll uh, let people know where to find all your stuff and then we'll wrap it up so first rapid fire question what's your most recommended bitcoin book hmm I think I'll go with the sovereignty through mathematics from uh, Knut Swano. Nice. Yeah, he's a beast. Uh, what's your definition of a pleb? Ruthless honesty. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, and I actually looked this. I looked this up because I was like, everyone's got their own definition of pleb, but where did this word come from? And it came from the plebeian class of Rome, which were free citizens. And they were often average working citizens who worked hard and saved. They were usually uh, like farmers. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're often seen as rude and toxic by people who are soft and, and attempt or attempting to scam others. And I think they're, you know, the coolest thing I think with plebs is that it's like this huge pool of people who are just relentless stackers. Um, and I think that's really like this bolster in the Bitcoin's um, stability and this, whole notion that like TikTok next block, people are going to, people want this scarce asset. And I think the, the, the collective that's known as plebs is like, literally it's like the special forces of this battle that will be ongoing. And they're just uncompromising people who stand the line. And I think there's something so noble about that of yeah. never really caring to be someone who's in the limelight, but just knowing that you are part of this like you said, brotherhood of people who are all holding the fucking line because there's going to be a lot of pressure and this is an important line to hold. And I think yeah. it's so cool. Yeah, pleb plebs are line holders for sure. Yes. Uh, what's your favorite mobile wallet? Uh, Breeze. Breeze, yeah. They have a great user interface. Yeah, um, I fucking love Breeze. Uh, the, I love the team as well. They're, they're very legit. Yeah, and, and with most of the things that I use and support, it's really, I'm supporting it because the people doing it and why they do it more so than the product itself. And usually they align, right? If someone's doing it for the right reasons, um, then they're usually going to create something good. Um, and so then last one is who's your favorite person to hear speak or write about Bitcoin at the moment? Obviously that's fluid, but yeah. Favorite person to hear speak or write about Bitcoin. Yeah. That will be my good friend, uh, Gigi. Gigi. Oh dude. 21 lessons is like my Bible. It's the one I try and give to people as much as possible because he's like a really just a skilled writer i think and so deeply knowledgeable and i think that's oh, yeah. uh sometimes it's you know the people who know the most are sometimes not the best people at articulating it and i think he's got the best of both camps and uh yeah i that resonates with me as well yeah so, and he, he has the he has the meme uh, the meme aspect as well he has a strong under, understanding and love for memes as well so he's yes. very multi-dimensional in how he presents stuff and uh, it's just great yeah the memes on bitcoin twitter are like I, the best way to explain them is world class they make world me class. laugh they make me think and they yeah. make me want to be like i gotta find more of these because these are just like the most <laughs> brilliant things that like Bitcoin Twitter always fucking wins. If you do something silly, Bitcoin Twitter is going to remind you ruthlessly that you fucked up. And, you know, you just got to not take yourself too seriously to survive this. And I think that's a good quality to have. So absolutely. 
Cool, man. Well, Holonaut, it's been a treat speaking with you. I look forward to speaking with you down the road again. And I, I'm really stoked to get these zines in my environment so that I can show them off to other people. If people want more info about you, citadel21.com, Twitter is ctdl21. Is there any other coordinates that you want to put out there uh, to our community before we wrap up? No, I think that's it. Uh, you can access uh, our shop uh, from citadel21.com. Uh, you can reach out to us at uh, ctdl21 on Twitter for any questions or if you want to wanna write something for us or, yeah, anything. You can uh, reach me at, uh, at hodlonot uh, on Twitter as well. So happy to, happy to connect with anyone. Beautiful. Yeah, and I'll send, uh, I'll send those. I'll kind of refine them a little bit, but I'll send a couple of those pieces over. If it's something of interest, then um, it would be an honor to contribute to your project. And uh, to everyone listening, thanks for being here. If you enjoyed the conversation, you can support the project by going to Citadel 20. Well, you can support Citadel 21. If you're an OG Bitcoiner, I think you'll love the stuff that's there. Even if it's just reading the digital versions of these volumes, it's really, it's really awesome stuff. Um, if you want to support the store project, you can go to bitcoinstore.com, send some SAS to the QR code on the homepage. Wishing you all a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for your time and attention. Thank you for helping to build and contribute to Bitcoin. Because if you're listening to this, then you're part of it. And uh, yeah, thanks for being here and ciao for now.